You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Come to me, all who labor, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Our rest is in Jesus Christ. He has given us rest for our souls, amen? He has given us such wonders and such grace and such mercy. He has given us the forgiveness of sin. Oh my, I've given you rest from your labor. I've given you rest from your toil. You've been trying to get to God through these commandments and through all these things. I've given you rest. I love that. Are you labored and heavily burdened today? Pastor Dave wants you to know that through God, you don't have to be. God's Word tells us that in Christ, we will have rest. This is just one of the many mercies of God, because in Him, we are also forgiven of sin through God's beautiful grace and mercy. Live into that promise. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 14, as he begins his message, God Rewards Faithfulness. God rewards faithfulness because this is what I see happening with the new king. His name is Asa, and he happens to be one of my favorite kings in the Old Testament. I enjoy reading about him, and I remember one of the very first messages I ever did way back in the day was on this king, so he's kind of close to my heart. It's interesting that the idol worship that began with Solomon being king, continued under the reign of his son Rehoboam. But Rehoboam not only turned away from God himself, but he even led the people of Judah further away from the Lord God Jehovah. Like his father before him, Rehoboam worshipped other gods, building high places outside of Jerusalem for people to go and worship. After Rehoboam's death, his son Abijah, or Abijah, whichever way you want to pronounce it, or Abijam, as it says in 1 Kings, also allowed these things to exist and continue. And although God was still worshipped in Jerusalem, remember the Levites and the priests fled from the northern kingdom and came down to Jerusalem, and they still worshipped God, Jehovah, many people still worshipped these foreign gods on the mountains. You know, and as I was looking at this, and as the guys were talking before study, it's interesting that a pattern develops sometimes that I see. Not all the times, but I see a pattern develop when you have a father who is one way, the children seem to take after that way. For example, I know families where the father was an alcoholic and all the children were alcoholics, where the father used drugs and all the children use drugs, gambling, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I'm saying. And there seems to be a pattern there, even with, unfortunately, even with suicide. You see a pattern there where this is pool. But as I was saying to the guys when we were talking, someone has to break the chain. 
Someone has to break that. And it can be broken through Jesus Christ. That attitude of, well, my dad was this way. I need to be that way. That whole attitude of that has to be broken. And we know that the only person that can break that is the one who broke it on the cross, Jesus Christ. And as we seek Jesus Christ and as we come to him, we can break that chain because he's broken those chains and set us free. Well, Abijah dies, as happens to most of people, and his son, who is now Solomon's great-grandson, Asa, becomes king. And one of the things I like about him the best is he breaks this cycle. He breaks this chain by going and seeking God. Let's read verses 1 through 5 in chapter 14, right? Yeah, that's where we are, 14 and 15. All right, so it says in verses 1 and 2, So Abijah, or Abijah, rested with his fathers, which means he died, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days the land was quiet for ten years. Asa did what was right in the sight, good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he removed the altars of the foreign gods in the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. And right away you see a difference. Right away you see something different than what Solomon ended up with and where Rehoboam was and Abijah was. Right away you see something different. And you see the fact that in verse 2, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. So right away, he's special. He's different than his forefathers, than his other people. When he comes to the throne, he immediately establishes a spiritual reform. He got rid of the idols and he got rid of the images. He got rid of the altars that had been erected to these other gods, and he cut down the groves and the trees that are surrounding them. Why did he do this? Because he did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. He knew the commandments of God. He had a relationship with Lord God Jehovah, and that was first and foremost on his mind. So you see this happening. Now, when we read in 1 Kings 15, it says that Asa reigned, His heart was much like his father David. So he had David's heart. So where Solomon and Rehoboam and Abijah failed to have that heart that David had, Asa had that heart that David had. And you know what kind of heart David had. The Lord said of David, a man after my own heart. He had that heart of wanting to be close to God, that heart of having the great relationship with God the Father. But in 1 Kings 15, when we studied it, we saw that Asa banished the perverted people. These were the prostitutes and the people who surrounded the temples and and gave themselves to these Baal and to these other foreign gods, these prostitutes and homosexuals. That all happened in this time. He removed the idols. He even removed his grandmother from being around because she worshipped an idol. Well, it takes a lot of stuff to remove grandma. You've got to be tough to remove grandma, so be careful there. But notice the result of Asa's acts as king in, back in Second Chronicles at the end of verse 1. In his days, this land was quiet for 10 years. Asa did what Solomon, 
Rehoboam nor Abijah wanted to do nor could do. He trusted in the Lord. He trusted in the Lord his God to the extent that he tore down all the places where the people were going to worship other gods. And then he commands the people to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to observe the law and commandments. So Asa jumps way back to the patriarchs of the faith, the God of their fathers. We're going to worship the God of our fathers way back. And I love that. That's pretty cool because he had knowledge of that and he, he knew that. And he knew that that was most important was worshiping Lord Jehovah. And you know what came to mind when I read this? And it kind of fits. Remember Solomon, God's promise to Solomon, the one we quote all the time in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people who called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. He said they would heal, he would heal their land if they did this. Well, Asa commands all the people. He commands all the people to do this. And what happens? For 10 years, they have peace. God healed their land. For 10 years, this, I got that from that. Now, it fits a little bit, but that's not really what God was talking about. But here you see it. Asa is rewarded for his faithfulness. Not only is he rewarded, but those he reigns over, those he governs over are also rewarded. So you see what's happening here. A great leader like this who leads the people to God, who shows the people the Lord, who who wants them and even demands that they worship him and serve him, the nation is rewarded. And, you know, if, if you were a person of Judah that time, you have to be putting this together. You would think that you would be putting this together. Well, wait a minute. You know, we had Solomon who really went downhill at the end, and then there was his son, Rehoboam. Oh, my gosh. And then Abijah. Oh, my goodness. Now we have Asa who's completely different. And he's saying we have to worship the Lord where the other guys didn't. Hmm. So if you're smart enough, you can put these things together, don't you think? You can put these together and see those. And I love this about Asa. He makes great reforms. Look at verses 6 through 8. And he built fortified cities in Judah for the land had rest. Remember, they were torn down. These fortified cities, they were attacked and torn down. He had no war in those years. Why? Because the Lord had given him rest. Wow. Come to me, all who labor, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Our rest is in Jesus Christ. He has given us rest for our souls. Amen. He has given us such wonders and such grace and such mercy. He has given us the forgiveness of sin. Oh, my I've given you rest from your labor. I've given you rest from your toil. You've been trying to get to God through these commandments and through all these things. I've given you rest. I love that. Therefore, he said to Judah, let us build these cities and make walls around them and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and they prospered. Look at that word. They built and they prospered. God had given them rest. They recognized the rest of the Lord. They're doing these things in honor of him and he's blessing them. He's blessing their socks off. And Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah who carried shields and spears, and from Benjamin, 280,000 men who carried shears and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. I love this about Asa. I just love this about Asa. Remember, there was rest during his time. There was peace during his time. And you know what I'm going to say? He didn't kick back and eat bonbons. I got to throw the bonbons in there. Come on. He didn't kick fat and eat bonbons. No, he continued to work. 
He continued to move forward. He fortified everything. He knew the Lord had given them rest. He also knew that there were enemies out there. He also knew that there were people out there who wanted to come and hurt him and take him out. So he used that time to ensure not only the kingdom's safety, but his safety as well. It was a very smart move. And I think there's something we need to learn here. During a time of rest, we need to be ever about the Lord's business, ever about the Lord's work. We need to be ever watchful. We need to be ever aware because our enemy lurks and walks around like a roaring lion seeking to whom he can devour. And we need to always be on guard. And, you know, and I, I make fun of the eating bonbon things, but there's a picture there of sitting back in a hammock and just taking it easy and not worrying about things. And the next thing you know, something happens you're not prepared for. What does that look like? Well, it looks like not coming to church because things are under control. Some people only show up when things are dire, terrible, hard. But, you know, if you show up on a consistent basis, you're prepared. You're ready to go. You're built up in the faith and you're ready to go. We need to be ever watchful. We need to be ever aware. Don't get lulled into a false sense of security. Trials and sorts come and go. Circumstances, affliction, they're ever, ever changing. And we need to be prepared for that. You know, Paul, of all people, understood all of these things. He was a man who understood all these things because he had gone through most of these things. He knew what it was like. And I love what he says here in Ephesians 6. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put the whole armor of God on that you may be able to stand against the wires of the devil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having undone all, stand. And he goes on to list the armor that we put on. But did you hear what he said? Be able to stand. He didn't say sit back, kick back. You know, he said, stand. There's an action there. That's an action verb. And, a lot, and I know we're in rest. And, you know, I haven't said it in a long time. So you might have heard it before from me. But I like to call our Christianity an oxymoron. It's an active rest. We're resting in Jesus Christ. I'm resting in the Lord to do the work here at Calvary Chapel. Now, you may look at me and it looks like I'm doing the work. It looks like others are doing the work, the elders and the people, my assistant pastor and all the people who are working. It looks like they're doing the work, but we're resting in Christ. So it's an active rest. We're not just sitting around going, oh, the Lord will take care of it. The Lord's going to take care of it. We don't have anything to worry about. We're just going to sit back. Where are the bonbons? You know, we're, that's not what we're doing. This is what Asa wanted the people to do, and this is what I want you guys to do. I want you to be ever prepared and ever ready. Because if you are, when that trial comes, not if, but when the trial comes, when the affliction comes, when the circumstance hits you right between the eyes, you'll be ready. You'll be prepared. And that's what I love about Asa. I just really like this guy. And we can learn a lot from him. And he had good reason. Because just when you thought you were safe, just when you thought it was great to go back into the water... Dun, 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 dun. Something comes along, right? Right. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. Then Zerah, the Ethiopian, came out against them with an army of a million men. How do you get an army of a million men? Whoa. And 300 chariots, he came to Marrakesh. Marisha. And so Asa went out against him. 
And they set troops in the battle array in the valley of Zephyrathah at Marishah. Wow. Whew. They come out. Asa has 680,000 men, and they're facing an army of a million, plus 300 chariots. I did a little looking up. The chariot, the chariot of that time was the most advanced weapon of war there was. The chariot of that time, I liken it to the tank. It's like the tank. A guy could be in a chariot. If he was a good charioteer, he could just ride through with a sword and just chop people up and never be affected. So they had 300 chariots. Wow. So the men get in battle position, which probably means they came to a point and they faced each other. And there was this valley in between. They looked at each other. Asa looks out, sees a million guys standing there, and he goes, one, two, three, four, five, seven, hmm. He says, I think we have a problem here. But no, Asa knew exactly what to do. Look at verse 11. I love verse 11. Then Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help. I love that. Lord, it's nothing for you to help. Lord, I know that you can help. I love that. Whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord, our God. Listen to what he's saying here. He's already said help twice. For we rest on you. There it is. We're resting in you, Lord. Please do the work that needs to be done. And in your name, we go against this multitude. Oh, Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. Asa knows that this million-man army is not fighting against him and his men. Let this man not prevail against you, oh, God. Wow. You know, whatever the odds are against you, it's good to have the Lord on your side. <laughs> whatever the odds are against you, it's good to cry unto the Lord. Whenever you know that you don't have enough strength for the battle, which usually should be all the time, it's good to cry unto the Lord. We should face conflict this way because we have the victory in Jesus Christ. He's already given us the victory. The battle belongs to the Lord. It's his battle. It's his fight. Asa places his faith in the Lord. And we need to do the same. If God be for us, who can stand against us? Who can be against us? No matter what your problem is, God is able. God is able to handle anything that comes your way. It's nothing for God to help you. Oh, this problem's too big, Lord. I don't want to burden you with it. The Lord's saying, burden me, burden me. Come on, cast your cares on me. I care for you. Burden me with it. Or, you know, Lord, this is such a minute problem. I think I'll take care of it myself. The Lord's saying, no, no, no. Give it to me. Let me have it. I'll take care of it. We really can't talk about difficulty when God is involved. When God is involved, there's no difficulty. There really isn't any difficulty. Oh, Lord, there's nothing too hard for you. I love that. There is nothing you can't do. Man, when we get into a trouble, when you get in the next situation, and you will, you need to remember that. You need to remember that there is nothing too hard for God. There is nothing too hard for God. You need to have that deep within you. And I love that he says, help us, O Lord, for we rest in you. That's putting all your trust, that's putting all your hope in God. Did he have any choice? It's a great place that he was in, wasn't it? Looking at one million men, 
He didn't have much choice here, but that's a great place to be. Most of the time, we wait until God's got us cornered. We wait until God's got us in that corner, and then we go, help. Instead, the first thing we should do is yell for help. The very first thing we should do, Lord, I can't do this. We need to recognize our weakness. I know in Christ we're strong, and I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know that. But there comes a time when you need to yell out. You need to surrender yourself and say, Lord, please, I need you. And this is what I see happening. This is hard position to do. But it's the many times we're forced to do this. We're forced to say, God, if you don't do it, it's not going to be done. This is a good place to be. We don't always come to that place first, but we should. It seems as long as there's a chance in our mind to do it another way, we will. Because man will always look for the way out before we call on God. But we should call on God first. That should be our first call, not our last call. Our first call should be God. Our first call should be him. But way too often we don't. We don't rest in God until there's nothing else we can do. Sometimes I'm worried. Sometimes I'm fretting. And I need to let God be God. I need to let God be God. So they cry out, oh, Lord, help us. And we're resting and trusting in you. What a great, great prayer. We're trusting in you, Lord, because we know you can do all things. And I know you're going to work this together for good. I have no idea what it looks like, but I know it's going to be good. I'm trusting in you, Lord. I'm trusting in you. And the Lord takes control of the battle. Let's look at 12 and 15. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah and the Ethiopians fled. Now, wait a minute. Does this mean that something happened to these guys supernaturally and they turn around and ran? It doesn't seem like they charged them or anything like that. It said the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Judah and they fled. What happened? I don't know. Did you see anything? Yeah, what? That was pretty cool. And Asa and the people who were with him pursued them. Yeah, sure. Why not? Took your error. So the Ethiopians were overthrown and they could not recover for they were broken before the Lord and his, wait a minute, the Lord and his army. Oh, wait a minute. Asa may have had a couple hundred thousand, but you have no idea the army behind Asa. We have no idea the army of the Lord. We have no idea what that might have looked like. And that was probably what the Ethiopians saw. That mass monstrous army of the Lord charging at them. You talk about a humming, a humming, a humming experience. Let's face it, guys. And they carried away the spoil. Then they defeated all the cities around Geir, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they plundered all the cities, for there was exceedingly much spoil in them. They also attacked the livestock, insurers that carried off the sheep and camels in abundance, and they returned to Jerusalem. What a beautiful passage. Because they cried out to the Lord, because they humbled themselves and says, Lord, we can't do this. And that's what it takes. You need to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. They, we can't do this. The Lord took control. And he rewards their faithfulness with this beautiful battle. And they get all the spoils of war. They chase the people. They tear down the cities. They get the livestock that they can take back. And they all go to Jerusalem. You are assured. You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave has been working his way through the book of 2 Chronicles. 
Before you assume that this book entails a bunch of details from the past that don't really affect you today, make sure you take some time to appreciate what this book offers. In addition to the history of the Israelite people, you get to know the rise and fall of many kings. They were all sinners who needed a savior. They were just like every person today, no matter their status, who needs a savior. Do you know this savior, Jesus? If you do, you've come to greatly value what this means in your life. If you're unfamiliar with the concept, we want to help you understand that. No one has it all figured out on their own. For sure, no one is capable of living without sin and error. But what you need to realize is that there's a sure hope through the Savior, Jesus Christ. His willingness to be traded for your sins makes all the difference. By knowing Him personally and believing in Him, you get to move forward with life, knowing you're not perfect, but that God's bringing you into something better. The ministry of a sure hope comes out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. If you're in the area, we'd love to worship God together with you this weekend. Head over to assurehoperadio.com for service times and directions. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. If you can't make it in person, we stream our services live to Facebook and YouTube. That's all we have for today, but we look forward to connecting with you again on the next edition of Assure Hope.